Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege we have to listen to your word to, so we can gain wisdom, so we can really gain wisdom and maximize our life while we are living, while we are still able. As we bring you thanks today for all the benefits we've received from you, so much, so many, we can't even begin to enumerate all of them. And we are grateful. Also grateful for your word that we'll hear at this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. I just want to bring an introduction generally that will help you. We need to be helped. Because in the days in which we live, people are not giving very serious attention to the word of God. People are not investing in it because we are very busy people. And if that is what you are doing, you are denying yourself a very important thing that will save you in trouble by which you live your life. Actually, it's like a delivery man that comes to deliver things and you shut your door against it because the blessings of God come to you via the word of God. You know, causes and blessings come by words, come via the word of God. But a lot of Christians do not pay attention, meaningful attention to the word of God. Some pay attention, you know, just fulfill obligation, quiet time, and that's it. You won't get by that way. You will not get by that way. I'm telling you the truth of the matter. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, <clears throat> Jesus replied, you are blessed. Why are you blessed? Simon, son of Jonah, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. You are blessed. Jesus said, the revelation of who I am to you is a blessing. You are blessed that you know me. We don't consider it like that. We don't see it like that. But the Lord said, that's a blessing. And you know it's a treasure. The word of God is a treasure. You can't even quantify the value of it. Paul said there is nothing to compare in value with the excellency of knowing Jesus. He found out that that's a treasure. And hear what Paul said again, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts, that's the word, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. He said it is a treasure, incredible treasure. So I don't want to begin to tell us exactly what the scripture says about my son, attend to my words and what it will do to anybody who finds them, who heal your body, everything, and then change your life, reposition your life, and reflect the, all divine plans in your life will be manifesting every day of your life. I just wanted to do this introduction so that we, we, we begin to change our ways. It's God's will for us to appreciate what he does for us. Have you ever given somebody something that cost you something and he didn't value it? How do you feel? I mean, this thing costs you a lot. Man, you really, it costs you money, cost you effort. And then the person looked at it, I just paid lip service to it, lip service to it. You don't, you don't feel great. You really wish you didn't give that thing to the person. In fact, if you have the opportunity, you take it back. God expects us to respect him by appreciating what he has done for us. Look at all this COVID thing that just came through and they stay here. I heard of a doctor, renowned physician who had retired, just retired. Wasn't coming out, wasn't in contact with anything. The thing went and killed him in his house. He wasn't coming out. Some of the people that observed all the strictest distance, some of them still died. And we came through and we're still safe. I'm sure you know, you didn't keep yourself. Can I hear amen? amen. You just didn't, forget it. You just didn't keep yourself. So God expects us to appreciate 
the gifts, he gives us the eternal life he gave us in Christ Jesus. These are going to come up by the grace of God next year's teachings. We're going to go, go look at them again, focus on them again. Because that's what we live by. We don't have any other thing to live by. Do you have any other thing that you got from where? They say what God gave us. The forgiveness of our sins. Oh man, you should be very excited that God is paid the price to forgive your sins. Everything was at his own expense. And we receive free. His mercies that I knew every day. His mercies. Brethren, his mercies. God expects us really to be very appreciative. You know, the psalmist says not to forget all his what? Benefits. Don't forget them. Even today while doing Thanksgiving, I'm telling you, there are Christians who eat talking, who won't even thank God for anything. I'm not kidding you. They have not even given God any meaningful thanks. Just forget it. In Luke chapter 17, verse 11, we're going to run fast because I want to manage this time by God's grace. Jesus revealed, Luke 17, 11, Jesus traveled on towards Jerusalem and passed through the border region between Samaria and uh, Galilee, verse 12. As he entered one village, 10 men approached him, but they kept their distance for they were lepers. Were lepers. This is illustrating our salvation, though, because we had nothing to do with God, because we are really lepers. This is just illustrating you and me. The Bible said a man without Christ is totally hopeless in this world, has no hope at all, no covenant, no relationship with God. And so they were lepers. 13, they shouted to him, Mighty Lord, our wonderful master, won't you have mercy on us and heal us? 14, when Jesus stopped to look at them, he spoke these words, go to be examined by the Jewish priest. They set off and they were healed while walking along the way. This verse you can do for someone's on it alone. That's faith in action. Verse 15, one of them, a foreigner. Look at that, not even a Jew, a foreigner from Samaria. When he discovered that he was completely healed, turned back to find Jesus, shouting out joyous praises and glorifying God. See the difference? Verse 16. When he found Jesus, he fell down at his feet, thanked him over and over, saying to him, you are the Messiah. This man was a Samaritan. The Holy Spirit emphasizes the gain. This man. Remember the good Samaritan? God's always emphasizing how religious people miss God. Religious people miss God. You should get away from religion. Christianity is not religion. It's a relationship. Where love is the key thing. It's a Samaritan. Then verse 17. So where, so where, uh, where the, uh, said, uh, said this man was a Samaritan 17. So where are the other nine? Jesus asked. Which means he was expecting the other nine to do the same thing. He expects me and you to do the same thing. Where are the other nine? Jesus asked. Weren't there ten who were healed? How many people were delivered from coronavirus? How many people have been healed by Jesus over years? How many people have been giving children, blessed in their homes? I tell people, I say, when you get your salary, please don't just treat it anyhow. Get down on your knees and say, Lord, thank you. This is from you. I say, that way you begin to realize how God is providing for you. You take it for granted. When the check comes, you do what you like with it. It doesn't work that way. So Jesus said, I, I expected them to come back. They didn't come back. 19. He said, they all refused to return to give thanks and give glory to God, except you, a foreigner from Samaria, not even a Pentecostal member. Do you, do you realize how the people will say they're not Christians, they're not born again and all this? How, if they, they respect, the, if, when they come to church, see how they stay. We that are too familiar with God, God is our classmate. 
just do anything. We don't respect the authority of the church. We don't talk to them anyhow. Watch these people who say they are not Christians. I remember when they were doing my passport. This man wasn't even a Christian. And then my, my, my first cousin said, he's a pastor. The man said, Alpha. Ah, Alpha. Hey, he's Alpha. We'll take bribe from you, Alpha. We'll do, and he did exactly what he did. Gave me all our passport, no bribe, nothing. He said, Alpha, Alpha. Not Alpha. Don't call me Alpha, man. 19, then Jesus said to the healed man, lying at his feet, stay there, arise and go. It's your faith that brought you salvation and healing. It's your faith. Because you acted on what I told you. You didn't see the healing. I told you to go and do what they do for those who are healed. You started off to do it. The healing come. I want you to learn this. Healing comes when you act on what God says. When we acknowledge these gifts, especially with thanksgiving, they manifest for us. They really manifest for us. Gratitude and its expression of faith, therefore, and the expression of love for God. Luke 7, 36, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his, house, to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman, now listen again, this is another immoral woman, not a church woman, Samaritan, immoral woman. How does it happen? Jesus said to the Jews, he said, were there not many widows in the time of Elijah? And God didn't send Elijah to any of them, except to a foreign woman. And God said to Elijah, I have instructed that woman to take care of you. Because in Israel, he couldn't find anybody who would believe his word. He found it for him. Why is it always so? So when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume to was ready for Thanksgiving. He was serious. You see, God, God, God doesn't look at the outside. Where does God look? At your heart. At your heart. I remember one time the Lord said to me, he said, you've been giving me the same offering. The same offering. <laughs> he said, haven't I blessed you? See, you've been giving me the same thing. You, 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 you give it to me without thinking himself. You just write the same He said, don't do that. He said, to whom much is given? What? Much is expected. And I changed what I was writing. I changed it significantly. And God changed what he was doing for me significantly too. We hold down ourselves because we won't follow the Bible straight, the way the Bible says to do things. Now, here in verse, what, what verse is that now? What verse did I read? Just want to be sure you are following. Verse what? No, it's that eight now. Then she knelt before him. She, she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet, putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited them saw this, the religious people started talking. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's not fit to be here. She doesn't belong here. And this is the one that belongs there. The one that was humble enough to come and kneel down before him. They never worshipped Jesus. He never worshipped Jesus. This one was worshipping but in his mind, I judged her on feet, but that's the one that God wants. The one that came to the temple and said to the Lord, I have nothing here except your mercy. Jesus said, is the one that God justified. But the one that came and said, look at all I did, he said, God didn't look at him. Forty, then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. Simon replied, then Jesus told him a story. A certain, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver, to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more? 
after that. Because you see, this thanksgiving thing is a reflection of love. Let me tell us something. If you love somebody, you will value every gift he gives you. I don't care how small. You are not going to mess with it. If you really love somebody, if he gives you this thing, this thing changes in value, commensurate with the love you have for the person. It becomes special. Why? Because of the giver. If you don't love somebody, if he buys you a car, you won't value it. Because that bitterness and hatred will transfer to that car. Anything that person does has no value to you. I'm telling you the truth. I had a story of a young girl who didn't like mathematics. She hated mathematics. She was a brilliant girl. So people noted her in, in this university in London. But she got, to, got engaged to a, a mathematician, a man that really is known for mathematics. Immediately she fell into, in love with him. She began to like mathematics. Real story. This is not made up. She began to like mathematics to the extent that people noticed it. She became an avid lover of mathematics. Why? The object of her love. If we love God, you love the gifts he gives you. Period. Simple. Same thing in individual relationships. The same thing. The same thing. So verse 41. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver, and one 50 pieces the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debt. Who do you suppose loved him more than that? Than after that, Simon answered, I suppose the one to whom he counseled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your, ha- your home, religious man, you didn't offer me water to wash my, the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears, wiped them with her hairs. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in here, she has not stopped kissing my feet, showing me love. That shall love the Lord thy God with what? Did Simon do that? Why? Because he has taken his relevance from his religious obligations, and God didn't mean much to him. Period. That's what happens. I fast a lot. I pray a lot. <laughs> so Jesus. Verse 46, you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. 47, I tell you, her sins, and that many have been forgiven. Can I hear a name? I tell you, because she loved much, her sins are forgiven. She appreciated the gift of forgiveness that I offered her. You people didn't want her, but I brought her home. I told her you are worth everything. Brethren, affirmation will change every, any life instead of condemnation. I'm telling you the truth. It has great value. Then verse 49, no, 48. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. He disregarded them. He said, by, by acknowledging forgiveness and my mercy, that's faith and love for me. They said, who is this man? But the immoral woman knew who he was. And he's the Lord and came and worshipped. This one didn't even worship him. They didn't know him. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, you are blessed because you know me. You are blessed. They didn't know him. So they couldn't worship him. You know why we don't? We don't give God thanks. We don't know him. And we don't love him. So God's will, God's will is also for us to give thanks every time in all situations. Why? Because God is faithful. Instead of murmuring and grumbling. First Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice when? Are you seeing it? Rejoice what? 
always. Pray without what? Season. In everything, do what? Give thanks. Why? Let's read the rest. For this is the will of God in who? Christ Jesus for you. In everything. In everything, rejoice, give thanks. We want to follow scripture. That's what we're teaching at the Bible studies. This, we, we, we don't experience it because we do, we, we don't, we do what we do with all these uh, things that come with us, products we get. We don't take time to study the scripture and make sure you follow it, what it says. See the instruction. Rejoice always, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. There's no option for any other thing because it's an act of faith, trust God, act of love. Remember people went to battle rejoicing and praising God and God showed up. Can I hear amen? God showed up. I heard of a man who, was, who had this terminal disease and then the man said, okay, since I'm dying, the only thing I need to do now is I want joy. I don't want anything. And then they began to play for him all these things, that comic things that make people laugh. I said, the man laughed, laughed once and fell off his bed and God healed. Real story. Laughed, 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 laughed himself to health. Joy. The joy of the Lord is what? His strength, his power, his power. Did you know that before Jesus went to the cross, one of the last things he did was sing hymns. It's in your Bible. But his disciples together, he said, let's sing hymns to the Lord. How did Paul get out of jail? Was it not by praising God? You can get out of anything if you express the faith in what God has done, faith in God, love for him by praising God. You can get out of any jail. But murmuring is not part of it. John 6, 43. Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. Can you say to yourself, do not murmur? Say it louder. I'm seeing your mouth too. Forget about it. I want you to say it one more time. Do not murmur. Jesus said, don't murmur. And we love to murmur. Murmuring is part of the fallen nature of man. We like to murmur. We love it because we're comfortable in the flesh. Flesh doesn't need fit. You slip to flesh very easily. You don't need fit. Complain about everything. It gives the devil a platform to come in and wreck your life totally because once you start murmuring, he'll start performing what you're murmuring about. Just the same way if you praise God, God starts performing what you're praising him for. When you murmur, the devil starts doing what you're murmuring about. Simple. It was the same way. So in 1 Corinthians 10, 8, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell on one, in one day, three and 20,000. Did we hear that? You can't say these are modern days. And, stop and start living in immorality. The Bible sent us warning ahead of time. I tell people, say, Pastor, how do I know who to marry? <laughs> if, if your mind is plain now, you know what God will show you who. But if you, you are going with Agnes, you are going with Dorothy, no, not Dorothy. You are going with Agnes, you are going with, um, with um, who again? Uh, uh, Angelina, you are deceiving uh, comfort, you are deceiving Allah, any of them, you have different story for them. You want God to show you anything, you will see nothing, you are walking in darkness. You won't see nothing. You, you are walking in total darkness. You won't see. Push him, you won't see. I keep telling you, I say, when, I, when I, I saw my wife, I knew she was my wife. I had no girlfriend. Nobody. It was plain virgin in my heart. Nothing. Nobody. I was not in love with any of Agnes and Bunk or whatever their name. I didn't have interest. Those that approached me to be my, begging me to be their boyfriend, I told them in university, I said, are they going to write your name in my resort? I said, when they bring my result this semester, is your name going to be there? What grade will you be? Say, leave me alone. I came here to study. God's my witness. I did that. I said, I came here to study. Don't come here to pollute me with all this. And yet, I wasn't even born again. Simple common sense that I saw my father embarked in me. Simple home training and value system. 
because nothing was there. <laughs> so when I, when I met her, I just knew she was my wife. Simple. Did you pray? No. Marriage was not in my program at all. Second year in the university, did you plan marriage? As I saw her, I just knew she was my wife. And instantly fell in love with her. And did the most foolish thing any man would do. I don't recommend what I did. I wrote her and said, I want to marry you by writing. Whoever proposes like that. A woman you haven't talked to, he did it to you. He wrote her and said, I want to marry you. She was telling me later, I said, how did you even write that? I said, do you think I'm a veteran? So I did all I know now. But I'm trying to, I don't know why I've diverted to this one. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, we need to hear it. Keep your heart pure. Those that are pure in heart, they see who? See God. All those people you are sleeping around, you're fooling yourself. They're just using you. You won't see God. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. Neither let us tempt Christ. Just walking in presumption. Don't let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Ten. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed by, of the destroyer. He said, Lord, why are you writing this? Verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them as a sample. And they are written for our own admonition upon whom the ends of the world has come. He that has ear to hear, let him hear. See, the enemy knowing this so that you can murmur will try to make you not appreciate God, not appreciate what God has given you. And let me make this statement again. What you don't value will, not, will never bless you. You're wasting your time. What you don't value, what you don't appreciate, in your mind you have degraded that thing, that thing will not be a blessing. When Jesus went to his hometown, they called him carpenter. He said, is he not carpenter? Son of a carpenter. We know his brothers. They degraded him in his heart, he couldn't heal them. That was it. He could not heal them. Read your Bible. Could means can't. Not that he didn't want, he could not. Because he wants, because it's the will of God to heal. He could not heal them because in their heart, they degraded him. The Bible says he was marveled because of their unbelief. They couldn't believe him. Couldn't heal them. So the devil tried to make you look down on divine blessings for you. You wouldn't know the value of your church until you get out of there and travel. You wouldn't know the value of the house fellowship you have. This, the, the Sunday school you have. When we were coming to this country, a woman came crying. He said to me, he said, he said all the white people were here. He said, I never really took time to listen to you. He said, now you are going, it's like my eyes opened. He said that I got nothing. She was crying profusely. Profusely. Don't look down, don't look down on your wife, your husband. If you do, it won't bless you. Quarrel, you'll be quarreling all the time. The devil tries to do that. To look down on what God has given you. Look down on your salvation. Look down on say, you know, after I'm a good person. So God becomes irrelevant to you. Can I hear amen? Uh, I said, can I hear amen? amen? He will try to convince you your hands have achieved these things. You know, you're smart. You know what you're doing. Man, you worked hard. That's American language. Working hard is good, but at the end of the day, except the Lord abuse. You must know that. In Deuteronomy 8, 17, and thou say in thy heart, my power... And the might of my hand had gotten me this wealth. When you have that kind of mindset, so what's the relevance of God to you? God becomes irrelevant. The next thing is that you back off from him because you don't really need him. God backslide. The moment God starts being relevant to you, you start, you start dodging church, finding reason not to go. Because the church, what, do you, what are you doing with him? My hand. I've been promoted. See where I am. Making all this. Making all this. I was telling my wife, I said, you know, the reason you protect the pulpit is not your friends you ask to preach at because you knew them before, but you don't know who they are now. You can meet people when they are coming down. 
They haven't gotten the ground, but they are now already coming. I said, ah, I used to know you say, brother, what? come and preach for me. No, 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 you are not. I don't know who you are now. You may be climbing down the ladder. My hands, it's a dangerous thing to do. When you do that, the devil has armed you with the arms, arms of me, and it will fail you when serious things show up in your life. It won't prevail. You have jettisoned the arm of the Lord for the arm of the flesh. Who does that with his common sense? My arm has done this for me. I've studied hard. I worked hard. Then you have this entitlement mentality. How do you jettison the arm of the Lord? Whoever does that, except the devil has deceived you. The arm of the Lord starts being precious to you. Seeking him becomes secondary something. And when you come to church, you'll be watching time. But when you have corona, you call pastor. You'll be watching time. Where are you going? Or he will mock. You know, when you pass through trial, he will mock you. He will mock you. To try and say, what is God doing for you? Look at this and look at that. Who will mock you? But God told us that many will be the afflictions of what? The righteous. He didn't deceive us. We go through trials, he will mock you. Mock you out of faith in God. He mocked Jesus. He said, you call yourself the son of God? You are and you are here up here with us? Okay, save yourself and save us so we know you are son of God. They were mocking him. King of kings, sure. They were mocking him with the something God made him. If you say you're a king, they brought something, you know, this, and put it on his head, and they were mocking him, bowing to him, a mockery. A mockery. That's his ministry. When you're going through trials, he will mock you, because you are vulnerable at that point. He will mock you, mock your faith, will mock your God, mock everything. It's not working, it's not working, it's not working. But that's when to give thanks. For those who know their God, they shall be what? Strong, and they will do exploit. Do you know anybody who gave thanks in adversity? Paul, he praised God in everything. The Lord Jesus did the same thing. In every situation, he gave thanks. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. And then the thing that promotes all of this is when we live more in the flesh than in the spirit. You know, living more in the flesh is your attribute. You give most of your time to earthly things and little time for spiritual things. When you live mostly in the flesh, the flesh will dominate your life. And the flesh does not appreciate nothing because it's sinful. It is extremely selfish. Core nature of the flesh is selfishness. It has this entitlement mentality and has an insatiable desire for, for uh, recognition. You check out the Pharisees. They did everything to be seen of me. They were walking in the flesh. So they wanted men to praise them, appreciate them, talk about them instead of talking about God. And they say, oh, we're servants of God. And Jesus said, you are sons of the devil. When you walk, when you don't, when you don't build your spiritual life, so your spiritual life will dominate your flesh, this is the things you are going to be doing. They are going to be very hard to please. Extremely hard. You will insult ushers. If they tell you, can you move your you insult them immediately because that's not what the spirit does. That's the flesh talking. You won't respect those wonderful men and women that are also mothers and fathers who can also sit down like you and say, I'm annoying again. And they stand for our serving us. We should appreciate them, love them. Christmas buy them things for what they do. Instead, if the flesh is ruling you, because you have sense of entitlement, I'm not moving from here. I'm entitled to here. And when the Bible says, give your life to others, as Jesus also gave his life for you. The flesh doesn't do that. It's a narcissistic, narcissism. You know what narcissism is? What is narcissism? You don't know. I'm not teaching English, too. I'm a pastor. Narcissism is this, 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 uh, this in-depth in, in tendency to be selfish. 
That's the flesh. That's the flesh. Never appreciate anything. Never. You can't even, you can't even satisfy them. Somebody says this about ungrateful people. People who are ungrateful tend to be characterized by an excessive sense of self-importance. That's flesh. Arrogance and vanity and an unquenchable need for admiration and approval. Narcissists reject the ties that bind people into relationship of reciprocity. Which means if, if, if I'm doing something for Chica, Chica finds it opportunity to also do something for me. I give her something, she appreciates me. People who are ingrates don't find it necessary to do that. It must always be me, and I, can't, I don't need to appreciate her, and I expect her to do more. That's the flesh. How do you marry such, how does this, if you marry such a person, how does it succeed? You'll be laboring all the time, all the time, laboring all the time, all the time. Because they define relationship in terms of themselves. You are not even part of it, except you are simply a supplier. A supplier. And it says, they expect special favors and feel no good to pay back or to pay forward. They have a high sense of entitlement and very high sense of maintenance value. That's the flesh. When you walk in the spirit, this is not what your life is like. Your life will be like that of Jesus. Jesus gave himself for us. He loved Look at the woman that said, the immoral woman. She put value on her. Put value on her. If you, have, if you live in the spirit, you will appreciate anything. Because you know it's God that gave it to you. You will appreciate your wife. Appreciate her cookings. Even if it doesn't taste good. But it tastes good. And I hear amen. It tastes, why does it taste good? Because you love the person who cooked it. That love will transfer to that food. I'm not kidding you. When I eat my wife's cooking, I eat it in a haste because I'm, I want to let her know I love it. So I'm eating and swallowing, and they say, honey, I say, it's awesome, it's wonderful. Don't tell her what I said. If I hear it, it's you, I catch it. I'm telling you, the love you have for somebody will transfer to the gift it gives. You love that gift automatically. You don't. I'm telling you, I'm, this is true. You love that person immediately, immediately. So the, 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 the life of the spirit loves, it loves God and will appreciate what God gives. He loves people. The Bible says, how can you say you love God when you don't love people? When people even make mistakes, you forgive easily. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Covers a multitude of wrongs. Because you love. If you love, I, I watched one advertisement. They were showing how good this product is. That the person that used it came to the office and everybody in the office fell in love with him because he was using this product. And how did they show that everybody likes him? You know, he was throwing things at office people, or the, you know, and they were angry. I would say, who is throwing this at us? How is throwing this at us? And when he showed up, I said, oh, they said, okay, it's you, it's okay, it's you. Everybody, oh, it's you. What they were showing is that this product, I think it's perfume, has made everybody love him. And he shows in, they, they were quick to forgive him. And that thing he did, they didn't count it as anything. Love does pain. It does pain. You know, so what we need to do is to really grow in love. Grow in the spirit. There's no magic to this thing. Either you're living the life of Christ or the life of the flesh. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name.